Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We are in 2019 and we are start changing to... those eights to nines on your papers. We know you're going to do it. It's going to be funny is trying to change an eight into a nine. That'll be this year is is the, the year that I realized even starting October as I was starting to like schedule things out in 2019, like mm. scheduling mediations and stuff in January and February, mm-hmm. I was like having to catch myself already writing 2019. So it is my prediction that I'm going to do a great job of putting 2019 this year because I've already had some practice. That is so weird. <laughs> Well, we hope um, you, you still are enjoying um, the holiday break. I know a lot of your kids are, are probably on winter break. And You're probably sick of them by now. Yeah, <laughs> like super excited for them to start back up. We wanted to um, start this year with a little bit of a repeat because we are still on break of a guest that we had had early in our podcast, Melanie Whitney, who's one of our uh, most popular downloadable, I guess, episodes. And I think it was the perspective from which um, Mel had come with. And it was, you know, just this, you know, mind-body connection and just the youth, you know, that she she's a teacher at Cal State Long Beach and sees these young, bright kids. Mm -hmm. Some of them don't know why they're in college. Oh, my parents told me to go to college. We had a really great discussion. And I think her insight into alternative kind of meditations and like that mind yeah. body connection and, and how to like I guess better like reinvent yourself <laughs> to really figure out yes. what your strengths are and what your preferences are and I think yeah. that ties in very well with the new year because everyone yes. tries to reinvent themselves exactly. at the beginning of the year so exactly. I think as you're doing that as you're reinventing yourself as you're reinventing the plan for your child mm-hmm. kind of thinking in a different way about it might be a good way to approach it this year um, so hopefully this episode gives you some renewed ideas for that it's and a fresh start um, last and, year was last year yeah. and we're still in the middle of the school year but you can always start over and yep. I think that this episode will kind of shed some light and kind of give a, a different perspective if you miss it the first time around yeah um, and then and next week we'll be back to our fresh new episodes and you know we'll start talking to you about what we have in store for 2019 um, we had our big panel discussion in September of 2018 and we've got some you know big plans coming up for other live podcast episodes so stay tuned on our Facebook group um, if you're new to us welcome we hope that this helps you start off the year on the right foot. Enjoy this episode with Melanie Whitney. Our guest today is Melanie Whitney. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Vicky. I actually went to high school with Mel. And yes, so Melanie sounds weird. So I'm just going to say Mel. <laughs> that works. That works. Mel's fine. We appreciate you coming today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting conversation and you know, obviously, before we launch into it, tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you doing? What's going on? Who am I? <laughs> so daytime job. I do. I teach uh, higher education, communication studies. For those of you that don't know, that's things like public speaking, 
business communication, interpersonal communication, you know, relationships. That's the big one. So important. We we don't have any problems with that, but. <laughs> yeah. So basically like the type of class that every college student should probably be taking, but aren't. Everyone, everyone. I mean, I wish they even did this sooner in elementary, junior high, high school so that it's not hey, you're 18. Now let's talk about your communication skills, right? Well, it's so crazy how you think about like elementary school kids have to do presentations in middle school and how many kids get so anxious, have so much anxiety about speaking in front of the class. If we could just help it earlier on, like think of like where they would be. I mean, even to this day, I have friends that are like, I'm terrified of public speaking. And I'm like, you know that more people are terrified of public speaking than their own death. People would rather die than give a public. I'm not joking. I talk to people for a living. So like (laughs) that blows my mind. You're an anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy to me. So that's that's my background, right? Calm studies. But uh, recently I have started my company, Ask, Believe, Receive, which our whole intention is to, we say, to empower others. I bring content that I think is helps people kind of find themselves because I found that in my students, they know where they think they want to go, but they don't really know who they are. And as we know, that journey is never ending. And I think part of that, the job is for them to understand that there's no destination because a lot of what we teach them is you start here and then you finish here. And then there's some type of reward at the end. There's a pot of gold. Well, that's how we're conditioned, right? Like as early as preschool and then getting into kindergarten. And then you're like, okay, I have 12 years. And yeah. then it's like after this and I go to college and then I get a job and it's not that simple. It's not. And that's why I start. I started seeing the need while I was teaching, of course. And I started doing things on campuses, which <laughs> is great. But I would think that it's not just the people who are actively in school that need this work. It's the people that are just functioning in the world and are trying to figure out what am I doing? What's the purpose of all of this? Who am I? I'm not who I thought I was. So all of us essentially need this. And that's what I'm hoping to do. Yeah. I think about my little brother so much when like, no, just like thinking about that because he's 25 and he's in that mode of, he, he's, you know, not as thrilled with school because he doesn't okay. know where he wants to go. And is he actively in school right now? Not he right. Done? He's well, he's got his AA and okay. he's gone back to get some classes and he's got kind it. of in that middle ground. of yes. Do I transfer somewhere else or do I just work and trying to figure it out? And I like as growing up, watching him grow up, know he has so many passions, but Aww. it's just finding that focus of you know, how do you do it? And mm-hmm. like school hasn't been the answer for him. And-, and it's not for a lot of people. And I think that's the problem with those are the ones we kind of shun. They're the black sheep, right? They don't fit yeah. in the paradigm of the institution of education. So they are your brother. I get it. They, he's just like, how, where's the path? Because we yeah. were taught, you know, you start A to B, B to C, and then it's not so simple. Yeah. For some of us. I mean, I even think about me in college. Like we were talking about this earlier. I switched my major four times, but I had a path going into college and I knew I wanted to go to college. I knew I wanted to do things. And uh-huh. even though that path changed, I still. At least you had a path. But some I people ha- don't. Exactly. Don't even have and that. And like knowing that it changes. Right. I mean, for some people, yes. they're the anomaly because I very young knew what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Went to college, poli sci. I ended up adding like a minor in philosophy, but it was like the end goal was law school. Right. And like and then I became that is like the exception. Like that does not happen for a lot of people. But like if it were to change, like 
just knowing that if it needed to change, it was okay. And I always like had that thought. I'm like, well, maybe I'll become, and I mean, that happened in law school where I thought, oh, I'll be an environmental law attorney. And like, I had the opportunity to um, work at Orange County Coast Keeper. And, and I just, I realized there was something missing and it was like that um, interaction with people, especially being bilingual. Were you able to identify that as quick? Not as quick, but it was more so in that time. Okay. But I had also also had different opportunities to be at a guardianship clinic my first year. So that's where I saw like my like interpersonal relationships build where, oh, I'm helping Spanish speakers like get guardianships. And then it was like, I went into Coast Keeper and I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, oh, I don't know that that's what I want to do. But it was just finding that. Like I knew I was going to be an attorney, but that was like half the battle, right? And like, so for me, yeah, okay. All through college, like knew what I want. But then when you're getting into high school, and it's okay, or getting into law school, it changes and that's okay. And I think for us in the area of law that we do, there's no path just, you know, even for... My child with autism, there's all this great information, but there's no one path. Your child is so individual, just like any other child is very individualized. And that's what I saw kind of when we were talking before, Mm -hmm. like that intersection of like, what is it that we as a community, as a society, what are we saying to, and we talk about that all the time, like, you know, inclusion, it's opportunity, like we're building this community and being able to focus not just on children with special needs and what where they need to go or just a path in which, okay, you can template it this way. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the idea that everybody has a path and place where they fit in. Mm-hmm. It's just about finding that. But I think like we just inherently are taught, like you have these set jobs that you're yep. supposed to look at and you have yep. these set like reading, writing and arithmetic. Right. And <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, there's so much out there that like if kids knew how many different types of like career paths there were, it would be such a different idea for them, I think, of just like, we try to say, oh yeah, you're a kid, like the world's your oyster. You can do everything, you know, you can do anything you you want. How many parents try to tell their kids that? But like, the kid doesn't know what's out there and then they see the professions their parents do and their family members and maybe they know about Uh teaching and being a policeman and a doctor and a lawyer, but like, how many people in this world are those like professions? I mean, yeah, a lot, but there's so much else out there. Exactly. And I think a lot of, well, two things. So you were saying that parents say you can be anything you want, right? We say that, but then when the kid says, great, I want to be an artist or great. I want to be an actress or I want to be a musician. They're like, oh, oh no, I didn't mean anything you want. I meant, you know, doctor, lawyer, right. all of like the things that you're listing, right? The Those popularized mainstream careers. So it's this contradiction, I think, in a lot of parents that they have to identify in themselves as well is when you tell your kid you just want them to be happy or that they really can be whatever they want, be ready to support that narrative yeah. Yeah. then when they say they're not going to go to a traditional college or a traditional high school or they're not going to, you know, they're going to go study abroad for a year. Be ready to support those off the beaten path, you know, kind of then decisions for that. Well, not even just like off the beaten path, but like if a kid says, oh, I want to be a musician and they don't have musical ability and how many families are like, well, no, you can't go to that because oh, you don't, yes. you, you're not they good crush, at it. Yes. Right. But what about there's like. And and I, I don't remember which DJ it was, but there was some DJ that was on um, Chelsea Handler's show 
I'm going to, this is going to bother me. Um, and he was talking about how him growing up was like, it was, he loved music, uh-huh. but he wasn't good at like playing musical instruments, but he learned how to make music a different way. Yes. And he's made a huge career go. off of it. So if we could foster the, this kid loves this thing yes, and maybe the one path is not the right path, but maybe there's something that's along with it. I mean, I think about that. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Down that real quick. But like even me, like I thought I was going to be a teacher and then I was like, well, no, I want to go into child advocacy and what do I do with that? And I want to help kids. And then it kind of led mm-hmm. me to special education where most people told me going to law school, that's not even an area of law that exists, which sorry. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. It totally does. So, so that's what you found. You found your yeah. path of like being able in, in your day job, in my day seeing job. that, oh, wow, this is like a real need. So, yeah. so that's what your like Be- company now, right? Yeah, that's so it, because I was that kid. I fit the mold. I loved school. School was easy for me. I was teacher's pet. I was I knew I was going to college in like the third grade. <laughs> and I knew my major going into college already because I had a wonderful mentor that said, mm-hmm. I think you need to do communications. I was like, what is that? And then I get to, I get to college and I figure out what it is. Oh, definitely. That's me. Went through, you know, my BA, my MA. And I was like, okay, world, I'm ready. And then the world was like, cool. You don't care about your degree. And I just, this is kind of sad to say, but the degree I tell my students, it's a fancy expensive key to open doors, but the degree is not going to keep you there. It may lead you to doors that are not right for you. And you're going to have to open and close a lot of doors until you find the one that works for you. And it's not going to have anything to do with your degree. Again, people will fight me and say, well, I'm an engineer. Well, I want to be a nurse. Okay, yeah, you have a path there. Get it. But there's so many of us that do not have that direct. Right. Path. And we hear that all the time. Oh, so-and-so didn't have a degree when he built like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, right. And, or like we were just talking about like certain people and, and even people like, you know, there, I forget the now I'm the forgetful person. Like there was a guy <laughs> no, that, um, no, he, he like won an Oscar. He was a director and like, he hadn't gone, you know, it, he's 45 becoming a, an Oscar winning director, but like he, he started it, you know, went in his late thirties because he had gone through a path. And people will say that's so late. You shouldn't start in your thirties. Right. So we have all these shoulds right in society. And so what I really try to do with my students is deconstruct all of these different paradigms and these, so these institutions of education, what is education? What are the expectations around it? And we get bombarded with all those shoulds. Like mm-hmm. I will, my parents said I should do this. <laughs> Or I really love music, but I know there's no money in that. Or the chances of me being... So there's all of this negative self-talk that occurs. And what I find is that a lot of young people really go too far ahead in the future and destroy all their dreams. <laughs> they, they, show, they can tell me all the ways of, I love music, but these are all the reasons why it's not yeah. going to work. And they say, that's why I'm getting my degree in accounting or whatever it is. And I let them know, okay, yeah, we got to pay the bills. Totally get it. I understand that. But are you going to do that your whole life and then have that midlife crisis at 45 where you quit this job you've had forever because you've been stuck there and then you have kids and then you have, you know, this marriage, maybe you got into young and like all these things you've 
all the boxes you've checked. Right. And then at 45, you want to figure this out, like figure out now. Right. And like that kind of goes back to, we always talk about labels, right? And so you're labeling yourself and that tends to happen with children with special needs. Oh, my child has Down syndrome, so they can't do A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. They just can't. And it's just like, why? Like, okay, it's one thing if you have like years and years of research, but your kid could be different. Your kid could be the exception. Why are we categorizing the child into a special day classroom when, you know, Amanda has a client that she's worked with for the last couple of years that's completely mainstreamed in a general education setting and she is down, you know, down yeah. syndrome. And and it's like if we didn't give her that opportunity, we wouldn't know that. And, you know, she might be there for a couple of years. She might not. She might mm -hmm. graduate, you know, all yeah. mainstream. And like that opportunity that was given to her, if if Amanda wasn't there to recognize it, it could have completely be taken away. And then you have parents that, you know, are beating themselves up or are like, it's that self-fulfilling um, prophecy, right? Where it's just like, oh yeah, no, my, my kid can do that, but she's labeled as this. So I can't. And we see that all the time. We know how often in like elementary school, ugh, and I hate this, like, in elementary school, when you're in like second and third grade, you're told like, oh, you're good at reading or you're not good at reading. Or you're good at math. I remember yes, I duality. always was a math kid and I was told like I, I, w I wasn't as strong of a reader and writer. I mean, I always like elementary school, I got straight A's, middle school yeah. and A's and like, you know, it's not like I was failing or anything, and, yeah. but it was always like English is always the hardest thing. So in high school, I was like, well, I'm I don't, not good at this. I'm not good at this English. I don't like. I'm not even going to try to take like honors or AP math English classes. I'm not going to try to work on it because I've been told I'm not a good writer. So I'm just going to continue that way. And I mean, I eventually in college learned, no, I can write and I learned what to do. And obviously now I write for a living, which is my high school <laughs> self would be like, what? But I know so many people who will say, I'm not good at math. Why do they say that? They say that because back when they were in elementary school, Somebody they didn't them. get as good of a grades in math. And so all of a sudden they're not good at math and because they had that self-fulfilling prophecy the whole time in school. But if they had been told, no, 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 you can do it, maybe they would have been better at math. Have you heard of the growth mindset? I don't know. Okay, so there's this big thing that happened a couple years ago about growth mindset. Mm -hmm. So we want, instead of telling a kid, wow, you are so smart. You did so well on that math test. You must be so smart. Instead of saying you're so smart and assigning an attribute, right? That's a fixed mindset. That's a fixed attribute. You're so smart. It's like in, innate, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, what we want to say to young children is, wow, you must have worked really hard for that A on that math test because then it's, it's not fixed. It wasn't just, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm smart. I'm good at math. It's, I put hours into studying for this so that when it comes to the English oh, you didn't do as well as you wanted. Well, you know what? We'll spend a little bit more time on that next time so you can get the outcome that you imagined. <laughs> so that growth mindset, I was introduced to that by someone at Fusion Academy and I thought, whoa, that is huge. Yeah. With all the little youngins I have in my life and my family, I didn't realize me telling them they're smart was yeah. it could be potentially limiting yeah. in the circumstances that you were explaining about yourself. And I had read like a book or heard it or whatever. I'm not quoting it, but it was along that same mindset, right? Where, you know, if somebody is giving you a compliment, like, oh, wow, like, look at everything that you've accomplished, like so young, like you're yes. so passionate, like that's so great. And 
we like to play it off. Oh, you know, it was just right time, right place. And it's like, no, you need to learn to say thank you. I worked really hard to get here. <laughs> exactly. So when we have like on our Instagram and, you know, for slogan Brett, like it's like that hustle, like every day, like that is exactly what needs to happen because people are just like, oh, wow. Oh, you guys look like you're having so much fun. And it's just like, no, we're <laughs> having work. You're seeing what we want you to see, see? Yes. but it is all hard work. And yes. like, you don't know what happens, you know, behind the scenes, behind the scenes, 24 yeah. seven. And like that might, I mean, I mean to use it so young, like 100%, like, oh, you worked really hard. on. This. Yeah. So that changed my mind about a lot of things. Yeah. Well, it's crazy how the language that we use with kids really makes such an impact. A uh, lot. We say that all the time about like, how we use like the person first language and it's not a kid who is autistic. It's the kid living with autism because it's, they are a person first. Yeah. But even like when we talk to them and telling them, you know, that I'm not going to sit there and then, you know, talk to you about what you're bad at. I'm going to focus you in on, on what you're good at. And we, we try to do that with kids all the time. So that yes. language just pairs in perfectly with that of trying to, you know, the way we speak to kids. And I think a lot of people like to sugarcoat the way we talk to kids because yes, it's like they they're do. not ready for that language oh, or they you are. have to be like, you know, they don't understand or, you know, let's be sensitive. And it's like, no, that's how they don't learn, you know, how to be better advocates for themselves or how to realize how the world works. And maybe exactly. that's why kids in college are <laughs> like not sure what they want to be or because weren't told how the real world works yeah. so early on. Like it's, I mean, I probably know 50 year olds who still don't know the way the world works. I'm, like I said, <laughs> it, it's a never ending journey, right? That it, exactly what you just described. And I just, I've worked with every age group. It's really unique. I used to teach preschool and then I did all these different after school programs for all different types of populations from elementary, middle school, high school. So I got to see all of it and they're really looking for you to just level with them yeah. and speak to them like they are an intelligent, capable human being and give them the opportunity. And it was really unique. I, that's when I started to realize my role as a educator or a mentor, I had an advantage that their parents did not have. I didn't need to parent them. Right. And we all I mean, inevitably, you look at your parents in a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. And then you become an adult and you realize, wow, that was really hard what they were trying to do, raise a human being, <laughs> right? <laughs> you look back. So that's when I started trying to level with these different youth saying, hey, well, what is it that you want? I know your, these are the expectations right. that your parents have of you, but what do you want? Money is not an option. This is not, you know, none of these obstacles, let's say, let's just think about you and your passion and let's just focus in on that. And that's not nurtured enough, right? The arts are always kind of extra. We treat them as extra, but I think people really don't see how far creativity goes. So we talk, we put all these emphasis on math, you know, all the STEM. Of course. Yeah. And that's great, but I never use math the way that I had to learn it and it wasn't for me and it didn't speak to me. Yes, it probably exercised certain parts of my brain at that time that I needed, you know, to muscle. But I was very big into the art stuff, the expressing myself through language, being outside, coming up with, you know, leadership abilities out on uh, playing on the playground. So I think there is a lot to be learned in play in the arts. And it's so sad that they're overlooked because then we're just expecting students to, well, we can get into the structure of how the school system 
Yeah, well, and yeah. I was just going to go into standardized testing and things like that. But before, yeah, but before <laughs> we get there, I mean, people having to understand not just the community and the culture, but, you know, back in the day, the Industrial Revolution, before the Industrial Revolution, they were having children because they were working the farms, right? Mm -hmm. And so then the focus was not on the creative arts or anything <laughs> no. like that, right? No. And then we have the Industrial Boom, and so people are having smaller and smaller families. They're living in cities. It's urbanized, things like that. Where our generation really has been the focus of, like, you could do whatever you want. You could go to college. Yeah. And, like, that's why I think we're so lost, right, as millennials and trying to make our way in this world where it was like, okay, but my parents like may have gone to college and or or they didn't. And like now I'm first generation. I've gone and it's like, what now? And exactly. like to have room for, you know, instead of being another cog in the big machine, mm -hmm. which is what we're forcing a lot of kids. And that's yeah. kind of my segue into the standardized testing. It's like trying to fit that square peg in that round hole. Yeah. And it's just like what we see all the time, even with children with disabilities, where they're supposed to have individualized education programs, but it's like, no, we have this aut specific program and like your child is autism. So mm -hmm. that's the label. And this is where they need to go. And it's like, no, no, not it necessarily needs to be individualized. Yeah. So let's see how we can do that. And see, that's the thing. It's so funny. They talk about alternative education. I, I used to work a lot with kids who were behind in units or would get suspended for a variety of reasons, right? And they had these different programs for them. And it's similar to what y'all do in the population that you work with. It's funny that it's alternative when it's, if anything, the way the public school system should be, yeah. you know, open this up and say, hey, what does Amanda need? Amanda's really good at this. How can we explore this part? You know, Vicky's really good at this. How can we explore this? Then you have the critics who say, great, how are you going to do that in, with this a 30-person classroom and this, you know, yes, of course there are challenges. I'm not saying that there are not, but standardized testing, it doesn't do it. There's no learning happening there. It's called memorizing, regurgitating information. Yeah. Great. Cool. Yeah. You can do that. The teachers are being forced <laughs> to teach the test. Yes. And so they're spending so much time teaching the test. That's where like we're seeing this drop up of we don't have a music program. We don't have an arts program. We don't have this and we don't have that because we don't have enough time in the day. Like I've mm -hmm. been in meetings before where I have been talking about like, you know, maybe a kid who's trying to get them into the general education class more and trying to suggest maybe they're academically behind. So we're not going to put them in during an English lesson. Yeah. And we say, okay, well, what about during music and art or this or that? And the school will say, we don't have music anymore. And it's just so sad because, I mean, I remember when I was in college and like my, my degree in child development, my emphasis was on education and learning about how much kids, when they have that thing that they're passionate about and that they love, they're actually better at school because yes. they can have one part of it be something that's like they truly love. But then you take that out. They have no motivation to work hard the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Why would they why would they do that? They have no motivation to do that. And mm. it's so easy to give them that outlet if we have different programs. And mm -hmm. it's just so sad that we have uh, we've developed a system that it's not looking at those other aspects that how much arts and, and even like sports to athletics like is being pulled away too in some instances. And that can be a motivator. And I think it starts like with the bigger picture. Like what is it that we want from mm -hmm. our educational yeah, system? Yeah, exactly. And that's where you, that's where you start. Yeah. And that's my, so obviously we are not going to change the school system overnight. That's not no. going to happen. <laughs> right. right. So right. I struggle with this. I don't have kids yet. I will one day and I struggle. Do I want to put them in a public school system 
and you have, there's part of me that's like, well, I went through it and I was all right. And I was right. like, and really? I, yeah. Was I though? <laughs> like, think about when I think about my twenties and everything I had to uncondition. Well, yeah. If I can save my child, you know, the mess of that. I have a niece that goes to, she was put in homeschooling around, I think the first grade around that time. And when I first heard that homeschooling, this was a while ago, I was like, you're going to homeschool her. (laughs) She's going to be socially awkward. She's going to, you know, all the stereotypes. And we were not on board. Right. And she continued with it. And years later, after, you know, my own personal growth and education and learning and growing as a teacher, seeing what the homeschooling program that she was doing is about. She loves animals. Okay. Loves them. So guess what? Her book reports are on stuff about animals. Mm-hmm. Her writing assignments gets, she gets to write about animals when they do math stuff or whatever they talk about. If you have 20 zebras and you know, it's about animals and she even gets to go practice presentations about at a, they found a veterinary clinic that let her come in and do a PowerPoint presentation to practice her public speaking skills. I'm like, so she's all about it. And she is not socially awkward. She's not all the stereotypes that I feared in the beginning. She's so far beyond her peers now that I'm just like, wow, I was so wrong in the beginning of all the thoughts I had about it. Well, we talk about all the time that there's a dispute about charter schools. Um, um, there's a lot of bad charter schools out there and there's a lot of good ones. But the charter school that I worked at with, in college uh-huh. was a full inclusion school. Um, so 20% of the population was kids with special needs, fully included in the gen ed class. Oh, wow. Gen ed and special ed teacher and aides that necessary. But one of the things that they did and why their school is so great is they had a thematic approach to their entire year. Each month was a different That's theme. Cool. And that theme was incorporated into everything they did. Math, science, history, English, reading, everything. Yes. And it engaged the students so much more because they started out the unit, maybe a unit was about space. And that was something that a topic, oh, the kids are, are and mm-hmm. so if the kid wasn't as strong in reading or math, but they were interested in the topic of space, space. because they had learned and they got to do hands-on. There was like a gardening unit one time and they actually had like a garden and like, yeah, why? Like that. that's so easy to do. Like the school has shown that like there's ways to do it school. And so it's not like, Okay, well, I'm not saying that each kid has to have like every the whole year on animals, but no. like if you are able to engage them in something that's interesting and exactly. incorporate that into academics, you're it's more of that practical academics. And it's not the functional academics that we see of like, oh, we're not going to teach them algebra, we're going <laughs> to teach them how to count money, which that's our functional classes that we sometimes have. Okay. It's more of let's put the practical and like help students understand like this is why we teach reading. And writing. And this is why we teach math because there's a practical application and here's how we can tie it all together. It's, it seems like, it's like, well, this makes sense. Why aren't we doing it? Why aren't more schools doing it? But then even like, so, and this is like a theory where if you take, for example, like young boys in Canada that like at three are like playing hockey. Right. And so that is something that they're given an opportunity. Not all of them are going to like succeed, but like basically by like 12, 13, you're getting the cream of the crop is kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. come to the top or whatever the cream rises, whatever the saying is. And by 16, like you could be professional. Right. But you think about it and it's like, I've been doing this since I was three. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, by the time that 
And this what happened with Bill Gates and things like that. Like he had the opportunity, like in high school to be doing programming, you know, at mm-hmm. this place. And so then he was like doing that part of the time. So it's like, I was already, you know, he was already doing what it was that he like found that he yes. wanted to eventually, yeah, his yeah. calling. So it was like, I don't need to go to college. And, and that's the thing, like at least Amanda and I in this area of the law, and I can see with you as well and everything that you want to do moving forward and helping people is we both had gone to a clinic at our law school that, mm-hmm. you know, advocated on behalf of children with special needs. Okay. So a lot of the attorneys that we meet now, this is, they've been attorneys for a while, you know, doing corporate law. Then they have a kid with special needs and then they fall into this area of the law and so then they become special education attorneys mm-hmm. and, you know, and they're in their thirties, forties. Well, a man and I like even in law school, you yeah. know, so just by a matter of experience and I'm not saying like, Oh my God, we're so experienced. Like, but we've had an advantage and we took an opportunity. And so that by the time that I am in my forties, you know, I'll be doing this for, you know, almost 20 years, mm-hmm. which just that experience alone. And so then if you think about a kid preschool by three, being conditioned, you know, all the way until 18. Yeah. Think plus about college plus college and then having to try to undo that. That's why you see people in midlife. That's why we have the saying <laughs> midlife crisis that's why it is. or now they're saying quarter life oh, crisis, God. right? <laughs> For this millennial I, generation. I know a lot of 25 year olds have that. No, <laughs> Siri, it's, yeah. it's real. It's real because again, it's that, oh my gosh, now what? which we're talking about. I didn't catch her name, but I met this woman uh, last year. Uh, she had a daughter who was uh, needed special needs on more severely than others. And she said, you know, when all of this kind of happened, you have a, this picture of your life and then it changes. And I had to either resist it or I had to change with it. And she chose to change with it. And she said, I've learned more from my daughter than I, her daughter cannot speak uh, verbally, right? So she communicates a lot non-verbally. And she said, I have learned more from my daughter about my own life by just trying to be a parent and she's made me grow so much, right? So she said, I had to really redefine what my life was going to be. What is happiness? What does my life look like? And that is a big thing. I think a lot of parents who have students, I mean, not students who have kids, who have special needs, I think it's so important that they nurture that part of redefining what is success. What is a successful life? What is happiness? Success really is subjective, obviously. What you imagine to be a successful quote unquote life, you, Vicky, me, they're all gonna look different. Is either of us wrong? No, it's all the same. It all can coexist. So I think a lot of young people just are so, have this condition of success being, you know, culturally, it's having a certain, you know, level of affluence, having a certain education, having uh, material value to show a type of house, a type of car that shows your status. And hey, I've made it. But then why, when you check all those boxes, do you still feel empty inside? Right. And that's what you're like <laughs> telling people, right? Like, that's yeah. exactly what it is. Like, you yes. know, we we're lucky enough that we wanted to start our own thing because we were passionate about this area and, you know, I might not be driving, you know, the Mercedes or the Beamer, <laughs> the like some of, my, yeah, the, some of my friends are, but like, that's their journey. And like, I'm pretty happy in mine. Yeah. I mean, it, and everyone does have, and happiness is subjective as well. And the idea of, you know, what are we teaching our kids on, on what it is to be happy? 
It's, what is that? Yeah. And, and that's exactly, I think, a conversation that a lot of parents need to have with their children and really say, instead of asking a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because really, I don't, I'm in my 30s no. and I still don't know what the hell I want to <laughs> be when I grow up. I'm just like, hey, these are goals I have. I'm going to try to accomplish these. So what I do with my niece, I ask her, what are you working on right now? You know, at school, mm -hmm. what interests you right now? Right? I mean, not to be morbid, but we don't know how long our lives are all going to yeah. be. So yeah. I, there may be no far future that I have. So I'm going to focus on what's happening right now. And I've noticed that she loves when I ask her what's going on right now. She's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so into this book. Right. And she'll go into it. And I let her talk forever because that is nurturing that, you know, creativity, that that self-awareness of what she's into and. I just think it's so important that it's funny when I ask parents to do this, when I've talked with parents one-on-one, -on -one, they're like, well, I don't even know what happiness is for me. So how am I supposed to? But that they're the model, right? And it's one yeah. of those things where like, you know, I know so many people and like new moms, you know, never wanting to like leave their kids and like just, and it's like your child needs to learn what a happy marriage looks like. Yes. And if you don't take time for yourself and your spouse and they're not seeing that, you don't have to take them everywhere. We can, mom and dad can have a good weekend or, you know, your parents are going to, you know, take that's why a they say it takes a village, right? Pass them along. Exa yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is like what we try to accomplish, especially with this episode of, of all of ours is just being able to give that support to those families that like it could start with you. Like, what is yes. it that you're defining? And I think that that was like so eloquent, like the way that like, well, maybe that's the question you need to ask yourself first. What does happiness look for me? Exactly. And that's a scary place for some people to go because they are like, well, I don't know. I'm scared of what I'm going to find when I dig a little deeper. But that is exactly what I'm all about. And that's why I create these workshops. Like I have one coming up that yeah. we talked about. When is it? Yeah. Tell us some more as we're, as we're <laughs> winding down. As we're winding down. It's about mindfulness. I decided to do it about mindfulness because I'm really big on talking about self-awareness. So understanding who you are, how do you tick, right? And people say, that sounds great. How do I do that? Yeah, <laughs> right. How do I get there? And when I started retracing my own steps and listening to other people's journeys, I found the common theme was this either big event happening, shaking up your life, uh, you know, mm -hmm. without your consent, if you will. It comes in, <laughs> life comes in and rocks yeah. your world. Or there was just this moment, whether again, it was provoked by an event or not, where you kind of just were present or like, okay, what's... What's going on right now? Who am I right now? What's happening right now? So really bringing this attention. So mindfulness, all it means is bringing attention to the present moment without judgment. Mm. And that's the hardest <laughs> part, right? That's the- Everybody loves to be so judgy. So judgy, especially with ourselves. We say things to ourselves we would never say to another person. Well, that's, yeah, absolutely. So that is really- I found, I think, you know, it's the first workshop of the year of 2018. So I'm excited and keeping it really small and intimate so that we can really dive pretty deep. I'll probably do a couple of series of this, but that's the big thing. And I think that if parents take the time to ask themselves that, sit with themselves in the present moment, not worrying about the past. There's that quote that says, no amount of guilt can change the past and no amount of worry can uh, solidify the future, mm. right? So remembering that and thinking, what can I do right now? What am I doing right now? Where does my time go? Where does my energy go? Where do my thoughts go? Because we have about 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. So where do yours go? What are, are they judgmental? Yeah. Are they nice? Are they in the moment? 
So really dissecting that. And once parents do that and they have a true understanding of who they are, then they can model that for their kids. And so that their kids know that they're not defined by their grades. They're not defined by the education system. They are defined by how they want to be defined and the labels, quote, if they want any that they want to live by. So I think that's really the big, big take home point. Yeah. Well, now that our listeners have had their own weekly therapy session um, with Mel today, <laughs> I know you've given everyone, I know you've given us so much to think about. So where can they find out more? How can they contact you or find they out can, your next event? They can go to my website at askbelieverceive.org. Be careful how you spell believe and receive. I before E except after C. <laughs> there you go. So they can go on there or you can literally just Google my name, Melanie Whitney, and put ask, believe, receive. And there they can sign up for the newsletters, which give all the blasts out to the events and any videos that we upload or, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. And then we'll tag you on Facebook and Instagram and make yeah. sure to have your website on there as awesome. well. Our listeners, in case you want to learn more and we just appreciate you guys listening again, like always. And I feel like we may have forgotten this the last time we recorded, but if you're enjoying listening to us, please make sure to subscribe so that you get them the episodes right when they come out. And of course, you know, share it with a friend if, you know, sharing is caring, especially if you got a lot out of this episode, as I'm sure a lot of people did, you know, make sure to keep note and Thank you so much, Mel, for coming in. We are so honored to have you here. We're well, looking for forward me. to the, your uh, workshops and like definitely let us know. We'll like share it on Instagram. If you guys liked what you hear, then just uh, shout out Mel. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.